Ladies and gentlemen, it is your boy, Sam Gilstrap, back again with the Ghost Lights Podcast. Ghosties, it's episode 55. Who would have thought we would have ever made it this far? I've been doing this for about three years off and on because, you know, sometimes you get lucky and you get cast in things. But uh, COVID has been a blessing in disguise. We've gotten more Ghost Lights podcasts out in the last two months than we've gotten out basically in the last year. And today, to celebrate episode 55, is the one, the only, and the amazing Mackenzie Sherburn. Say hi, Mackenzie. Hello. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm great, you know, considering, all things considered, I think I'm, right. I'm doing pretty Ooh. great. I like this. We're going to steal some of that NPR love. All things considered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We're just going to segue into that. That's, that's, my, that's my time. Yep. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that song is War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. That brings us in and sends us out. Um, please go out there to iTunes and uh, download that song. Or give them a follow on Spotify. Give them money. They're an awesome band. And last week's guest, Danielle Betts, knows them. So I don't want to get in trouble. Um, trying to steer them as much business as I possibly can. Excuse me. Um, today's unofficial sponsor is Mexican Coke. Because sometimes you want real cane sugar and none of that artificial, nasty, bad for you sugar. It's still not good for you, but damn it, it tastes good. Cheers, everybody. <laughs> Cheers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mackenzie, welcome to the Ghost Lights podcast. Happy to be um, here. For, for those of you who are not familiar, um, she is a very talented actress who I met um, through seeing gruesome playground injuries at the bakery alongside the amazing Kevin Lowry. Um, she acted here in Denver, Colorado for a time and then uh, moved off to New York to great and many better things. Um, how are things going out there? Great. I just saw Kevin Lowry earlier today, actually. He and I oh, nice. are working uh, for the same company currently. And what company um, is this? Uh, Adventure Theater Live. So it's a, it's a uh, children's theater company that um, I, on like April, uh, March 16th, when all mm. of the work disappeared, uh, all teaching artist work, all theater work, all work, for the foreseeable future, I sent an email to every, I sent an email to like all the teaching artists I knew slash all the actors who might want to be teaching artists. Um, and I was like, um, does anyone want to meet, like have a Zoom meeting? Not knowing really what Zoom was at the time, but being like, guys, all of our work's gone. Anybody want to figure out how we can keep like doing stuff? Um, and so we our, I guess our first meeting was the 16th of March. And then we just had subsequent meetings every week and kind of, just tossed ideas around and we were like, what is it that we like about being teaching artists? What is it that we like about theater makers? Um, and talking about how so much online content is like one person at a time and that that's mm-hmm. not why we do theater. We do it so that we can interact with one another and create together. And especially in a time of, um, of like deep isolation, which really, I mean, everywhere around the country, but specifically in New York, it was very felt for that specifically the first two months, I would say, like it was just very tangible. Um, And so we ended up coming kind of uh, one of my friends, Jamie Roach brought a script in that was took place in the great, great forest with Forrester and his sidekick Twig. And they would go visit different people in this forest. Um, Twig is played by me and it's a hedgehog puppet. Um, 
and I, I think I have him is here. Is Twig going to make an appearance? Twig's going to make an appearance. Yeah. So Twig is um, <gasps> Twig is uh, not very shy and likes to eat a lot, and uh, <laughs> and is a little mischievous. But he, uh, so I, I, I decided when I read the script, I was like, well, Twig is a puppet. And I was like, what puppets do I have? Which has been so much of our process with creating characters and creating the show. It's like, what do I have in my apartment? Mm -hmm. um, but it, it takes place on Zoom with between 10 and 20 kids, depending on their age. And it's interactive, so they get to come along on the adventure, and they get to help us solve problems, and they get to learn learn different um, acting skills and different like magic tricks, and uh, and we focus on. Uh, we talked early on with someone about how kids are missing out on social emotional learning that they would normally be things that they would pick up at school, being around other mm -hmm. kids. So we kind of have themed our shows around that without driving too hard into it. Just like one of them was about, there was a really big fog, there was a lot of fog in the Great Great Forest. And as we went around and greeted these different friends that we had, the fog was lifting, ah. which very much was, it's, all, it's also somewhat about us as artists working through this, where we're like, I can't remember anything. Let's have this, you know, this week be about a bit about a fog and how cheering up people uh, can help us feel better and how spending time with people in a virtual place can help us feel better. And, um, but it's been super fun. Um, wouldn't think that this would be where my year would be going, but yeah. darn it, I created a theater company as the, uh, the COVID-19 crash happened. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's what the great creative minds do. They, they create. Every, every, there are no mistakes. There are only opportunities to live in the moment and I'm stealing that from Christy Montour Larson, but that is the absolute truth. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's one of the things that um, I've been lucky enough to be a part of out here with the theatrical response team that uh, Dan and my good friend and roommate Bradley created. And it's awesome that you've got something out there that's specifically targeting children who, I mean, as a person that's worked in, um, as a teacher the last three years, just in Denver public schools, I've been working essentially as a, you know, the, the student's bartender without any alcohol. I, they just come and talk to me. You know, they just kind of spill everything out for me on the table. You either hold space or you try and give them advice knowing that there are certain things you can't really talk to them about. But the biggest thing that they've been struggling with during this time is being around children their age, being in an environment where they're actually sparked to learn and pay attention and to grow even though it doesn't feel like they're growing and it's great that you've created that uh, how is your i would say your student population the the audience is it locally based out of new york or do you advertise across the country it's, it's around the world actually wow. we had we did um so we do birthday parties as well so we mm -hmm. amidst all of this we were like well kid, what a bummer i mean any of the adults in our group that had birthdays everybody was like Oh, it's such a bummer, you know, like everyone that's had a birthday, it's just not been what you wanted. And so we were like, well, this is a, this could be a great thing for us too. And so we do birthday parties where it's the same, it's the same idea as our show, but we have a birthday party themed show mm -hmm. and kids can connect with their, with them, with friends anywhere. So this, we did a birthday party for a child in Ireland two weeks ago, I think. Oh. So 
she's in Ireland as are some of her friends, but then she has family on the East coast as well. So we did it at, I think it was a 10 in the morning, our time. So that the, it was this a good time in Ireland is, I think it was like 5 PM or something in Ireland or earlier than that. But, um, it was great. Like it's just mm-hmm. been a really fun. And I, we have people from, I think all the time zones now that participate in the shows because it's not restricted to just being based in New York, which mm-hmm. I think everybody that's creating stuff right now is realizing that it's you're now not just broadcasting to your group of the group of people that are in your community. You are now actually able to reach a much wider group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's been great. I get to see friends, different friends, kids on a weekly basis, which is, and uh, my cousin's daughter comes on a weekly basis. And so it's, it's fun to spend time with them in, in this fun world and and it's it's just it's been we've learned so much doing it because it's not definitely not our it was not our wheelhouse three months Mm -hmm. ago but learning how we can create theatrical magic in this new realm has been kind of it's been amazing like we really amuse ourselves a lot of the time and then we're like please i really hope this also amuses the kids and they end up taking it. So we have this idea of what the show is, as you always do. And then they end up completely rerouting it in a really lovely way. We had a show that was written by my friend Avery. And he, it was finding a, finding a muse in the Great Great Forest. And it was just about this uh, musician is, had lost his ability to write, which I think all of us can relate to as artists right now, where it's like, I'm just stuck in this same place and I keep looking and I, the well feels dry. Mm -hmm. And so we end up going out into the great, we, the kids come with him to the great, great forest and he introduces them to this tree, which is the original tree of the great, great forest and created like the symphony of sounds of the forest. So kind of nature related and, um, and then we go up into the tree and we meet this bird that flies all over the forest and brings back sounds from different parts of the forest that aren't just the great, great forest. They're the deep, deep ocean and all over all other parts. And so finding inspiration outside of where you normally look. So going back to like the heart of where you first found your inspiration and then really like spreading your, your branches out and finding inspiration in other places. And it was so beautiful to watch the kids. Like he asked at one point, the kids are between the ages of like five and nine. And -hmm. he asked at one point in the thing, it's like, what does imagination mean? You know, and as an adult, I have a hard time like wrapping my brain around, well, what does that actually mean? And it was, it's so fun to hear their reflection of the answers. And then throughout the, one of the episodes, um, the kids slowly started acquiring instruments. So by the end of the episode, all of the kids had an instrument. And he like had written, continued to write the song and he had taught them a little portion of the song that they would sing. And they all had their instruments and were like playing along. And then it ended up, the talk back at the end ended up just being them like sharing their instruments and like playing a little bit for everybody. And then there was like a jam session at the end, which was just like, (laughs) it was just, we had, none of us had any idea that that was going to happen. And all the kids left and we're sitting there in the zoom room and we're all like almost crying and just like overjoyed that, that it was so lovely. And it had, it brought out so much in them and it brought out so much in us. And so it's just been this crazy journey of, where we just want connection 
and we want mm. to build off of what other people are saying and hearing the kids talk about kind of what they're going through and we never like directly say anything about coronavirus but we try to kind of give tools about how to um how you can what you could do with your time when you're given a lot of time and games you can play with your family and um and it's just really interesting to hear kind of what they're going through and hope yeah. hopefully just give them little tools that lift them up and just having kids engaged like genuinely engaged for 45 minutes to an hour when I know it's so hard to do that right now. Like what you were saying about education, mm -hmm. having it, having to be in this medium can be so not what we're used to. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been really enlightening and we learn something new every day, I think. Do you, do you find that your own abilities to, I guess, um, create on the spot as, as an actor, has that evolved through this process? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yes, I've had to do more writing than I've really ever had to do in my career. I've, I've always loved writing. Mm -hmm. um, but it became apparent early on with this project that we couldn't really redo the same shows, because we had a really big returning audience. And when well whereas when you're doing theater you can just invite different school groups to come and see it and things like that and we hope to be able to use some of the scripts that we've written down the line when we like are commissioned to do a set of pieces but digitally you have to really you have to really write or reimagine a script each week and so i've just found myself needing to draw on a different different collaborative tools i guess i mean yes improv comes into play with the kids and their responses and things like that. And learning how to improv on Zoom is also its own thing when you have lots of people, because you can't speak over someone in the same way. You, the cue, with the delay, it's harder to improv, but we're, like, we're learning how to do it, I think. Yeah. Um, but I've just learned so much about creating together. So like co-writing pieces and, and really learned about creating a business as well. So learning, I was the, the meeting that I saw Kevin Lowry in early was our marketing meeting. And I'm learning so much about, you know, how do you, how do we market ourselves? How do we manage? So, and I have become kind of the, the head of the organization. And so learning how best to come along people in this time and kind of see what they're great at and help them to be able to just help to nurture them so they can just do be great at it amidst mm -hmm. all of the stuff that's going on. And, um, it's, but it's, it's just a crazy time to be creating, but it's also been, I think part of what has gotten me through the dark times and not that the dark times aren't also ahead, but just, I don't think I've laughed so much as I have in the last three months, we would just be, I remember, I think it was the first time we kind of started doing the show and just creating characters. And um, a friend of mine created a character called Swamp Lady and she essentially was from New Jersey. And she told the kids how it was. It was all just the teaching artists in the room. And um, I believe it was a pink tutu on his head and these just giant sunglasses. And he just kind of gave sass and told them about what, like facts about the world. And I cried. I mean, I was just sitting on Zoom crying because it was just, <laughs> it was, it's just been such a funny, like, exploration of 
of creativity being a part too. Cause mm -hmm. like a lot of the, so I know I've met almost everyone in the company cause I kind of sent out the initial emails and then we've gotten a couple people through people I'd reached out to that I've never met in person, but most of our company has never actually met each other mm. other than zoom. Like we've just been in the zoom room for the past three months and it's, so it's crazy doing that as well, but, mm -hmm. but it's been, I, yeah, I think it's helped me. I, I think it's helped the kids a lot too, but I think it's just being continue, being able to continually be creative amidst all of this has kind of saved my life. I think. Well, yeah, no, you're not alone. They, they, um, for me, like, I think a story I've shared on the podcast a couple of times since we've been doing it during this um, quarantine or situation that we are living in. I can't call it a quarantine in America anymore because we're not quarantining. Um, and uh, however you feel about that, that's how you feel about that. Um, anyway, sometimes I'm part of the problem just as like I'm trying to be a part of the solution. I'm one of those people. But with that being said, um, yeah, it started off in a really dark space. and. Uh, just trying to like, like as I've said, I lost, three, I lost three jobs in the matter of an hour and then was like faced with the uncertainty of being an hourly employee at a school that's shifting to online schooling. So my job being in the building isn't really necessary. So are they gonna keep me for the rest, the rest of the semester? So there was, there was a, a lot of, um, questions to be answered and thankfully that last one got answered relatively quickly and I still got paid and I was able to not worry about keeping the roof over my head but that creative piece that itch like I, I tried so hard to create a life that wasn't just that of an artist and there's there's still a big hit that your your ego takes at least for me when it was like oh at least for the rest of 2020, I am not going to be on the stage. Like, and having to grapple with that, like that's, that's since changed. I'm like, I won't be on a stage, but I will be able to perform. I've been performing because of Zoom, um, thankfully for that. Um, but yeah, it's, even if you have not defined your in total existence by being an artist and someone who creates um, for other people like actors do, there is an adjustment and sometimes we handle it better than others. And sometimes we don't handle it well at all. So, I mean, it's to, to say that the theatrical response team saved my life is not necessarily an understatement. Yeah. Oh shit. I've got something to be focused on and be, be as prepared for as possible, even though I hated the, the, the format because there is that gap, like a conversation that me and you are having right now is great. But if we were like waiting for a cue or something like off of that, there's, there's just that slight bit of not realism that hurts. Mm -hmm. When we've felt it too, I, a friend of mine has been state, my friend Al has been our stage manager for almost all of our shows. And he mm -hmm. was a, officially a character the other week and he got done with the show and he was like, I just, I don't feel great about what I did. And I was like, Al, you were great. You were so, he was a bird he had this bird costume and he had a bird puppet as well. And he was the bird on top of the tree and he was speaking in Spanish and he was making like the bird was, both of them were talking to each other and they were hilarious. And, um, and I told him, I was like, you were, you were great, Al. And he was like, but it didn't feel good. And I was like, oh, right, right. Well, it's your first 
this is your first like performance since, and he went through too. He was like, it's the first time I've performed in like three months. So he and I did the show. Um, uh, then she fell in Brooklyn with third rail projects. Mm-hmm. And so he was, he, the last time he performed was sometime in March. And he was like, Oh my gosh, that's the first time I've really performed. And, and I was like, Al, it's just not the same on zoom. Like, it's just not, you're, you don't get the same, especially in immersive theater. You really get feedback from the audience immediately about what's going on, whether they like it or not, but you like immediately receive energy from them. Whereas over zoom, it really takes readjusting your expectations, I think. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're, you kind of are watching yourself because you're on zoom and you have to be in frame. Whereas on in theater, you get to like, forget about yourself and focus on your scene partner. And with this, you're having to juggle so many things that you can't necessarily feel, it just doesn't feel the same. And so I told him that and he was like, Oh, Oh, that feels better. Cause I was like, I think it took me like eight shows before I started actually having fun, even though it was going well, I'd like go back and watch the shows and I'd be like, Oh, it went fine. But in your mind, you're just trying to do many things at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's different. I mean, like, as you're talking in this conversation, I can look in your eyes and that like, there's that piece taken care of. But now it doesn't quite translate if now I'm talking to you and I'm looking in the eyes of the pinned screen as opposed to the pin hole that I have to focus on the, to express that right type of direction. Yeah, that that piece alone, out of all the other things that you have to adjust to, is one of the things that that really kind of makes the the performance not as authentic, if that's the right word, as mm-hmm. you might want. But yeah. still, well, it's not the same. There, yeah. there is, and that's I think I've been trying to embrace. Like, I tr- I'm trying not to go down the rabbit hole of, and I have. It depends on the hour. It depends on the day but the rabbit hole of what theater looks like now and what it will look like when it comes back because of mm-hmm. what's going on, because we don't know, we really don't know. And so going down that rabbit hole doesn't, hasn't actually been beneficial to me and being able to thankfully focus on the company and just focus on what it is that we can create with what we have now has been kind of my respite amidst this, amidst mm-hmm. this. and it doesn't feel the same at all, but it's also, we still love stories and especially kids that are five to nine years old are like totally on board. Like if you can get them, if you kind of like, if we, we just find little ways of like, what what do we think is exciting? Um, What would be exciting to kids this age? And once you hook them, like they're in there, they're in it and they will like, they will be there on the ride with you. And it's just wonderful to see that and wonderful to get to be there with them as well, Mm -hmm. where it's like, they might not have seen, um, like, I want to say my cousin's daughter, I don't know that she, other than Missoula Children's Theater, which is how I got into theater when I was little, I don't know that she's actually seen a show. Like, some of these kids might not have seen theater before as well. So this is, might be their first experience with what we're, what we're calling theater um, Mm -hmm. via Zoom. Um, But it's, I think it's like, it's working, which is crazy to me too. Cause I'm like, it's, it really is working and fun. And we're like, we're talking about next month. We're finally talking about having an, an adult show. 
so that all of our friends can see what it is that we've been working on, um, which I'm, we're all really excited about because nobody has really, we've talked about it a lot uh, and we've gotten really good at it, but nobody has actually seen any of the stuff that we've done. And so, uh, so we're super excited to kind of tie in all of the stuff that we've been working on and just invite our friends and be like, all right, so this is what we've been doing. It's going to be ridiculous for the next hour. And uh, so, yeah, so it's been fun Love to see it. where it goes. Adventure Theater Live After Dark. It's, that's, that's what my roommate was suggesting today. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes. Or Twig um, After Dark is what she had said, too. Oh, hell yes. But we'll see. We'll see. Okay, yeah. Wait, maybe as long as the footage of the After Dark performance doesn't get Twig it caught up in a negative space for the kids yeah 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 no that's that's yeah. that's the key there's a fine line but we are yeah. so the episode that we're writing this week is a um telenovela inspired episode um and it's a mystery and <laughs> we uh twig has had this crazy dream and it is it, it stage manager al um clarifies he's like it sounds like you had a telenovela dream like it sounds like the telenovelas that i watched with my abuelita when i grew up and so then we go into the dream and the great great forest has turned into this um telenovela and it ends up being i mean spoiler alert if you your kids come see it but it's it ends up being that it's not any of the people left in the great great forest that have been getting rid of people it's stage manager al and twig's evil twin stick and it's twig with a mustache so can we see stick mm. i mean i mean i have no he doesn't have a mustache yet i just got him uh yesterday but i do now officially have two um versions of <laughs> um so one will just uncover a mustache and be the evil twin Oh my God. Um, yeah, I want tickets. Uh, yeah. how do I, how, how do I get, how do I get tickets for Adventure Theater Live? www.adventuretheaterlive.com. Um, and then we will announce our adult show, I'm guessing sometime at the beginning of August. Nice. So, yeah, it should be, it's, it's thoroughly enjoyable and we, yeah, I have, I have way more fun than I should, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, your 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 masterful delivery of the puppets into frame slowly as if they're not a part of you. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Great touch. That's uh -huh. that's part of the reason why I'm I'm on the verge of hysterics over here. But I've also got a diaper on, so we're cool. Good. Thank thank goodness. Thank yeah, goodness. absolutely. Uh, maybe Rubik's cube that last part, but we'll see. Um, just for me. Just for me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so. It's adventuretheaterlive.com, mm -hmm. and that's where we find ticket information. Yep, we have also shows. Booking information. Yep, yep. The birthdays are on there, uh, just contacting us in general. We have shows at 4 p.m. Eastern time on Fridays, and then we do an encore performance of that on Wednesdays at 5.30 Eastern time. And then we have a Thursday show that we're just adding this week, for um, 18 month old to four year olds called Twig and Friends. And this week it's singing with Twig and it's just um, adorable, ridiculous puppet for 30 minutes where kids get to sing and talk about themselves and interact with the puppet. And it's thoroughly amusing for all involved. 
Um, if it's at all possible, um, if Twig and Tig Nataro could meet, that would be amazing. I, I would like that. I would really, yeah. I would really like that. So you're just putting um, that out into the universe. Definitely. I know Tig Nataro is a gigantic supporter of the Ghost Lights podcast. No, she's not. Um, and uh, so if she's listening out there, uh, which I know she is, make this happen, Tig mm -hmm. and Twig. Mm -hmm. That'd be great. An hour with Tig and Twig. Brought That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Mackenzie, theater, how did it happen to you? Um, I, so I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I grew up in a tiny, tiny town in Montana, 400 people, 399 when I'm not there. Um, and the only way I was exposed to theater when I was little was Missoula Children's Theater would come to my town once a year for a week out of the year. And they, the way that works is they come into town on Mondays and they do a, an audition Monday after school. And then they have a rehearsal that day, that evening with the older kids. You rehearse Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then have a show of an hour long musical on either Friday or Saturday with, and it's K through eight or K through 12. And they learn an entire show in a week and they bring all the costumes and they bring the lights and they do workshops in that time as well. But it's just like a theater intensive for a week and it was absolutely my favorite thing. It was my favorite part of the year, every mm. year. I was five and I was the lead Appleseed in Johnny Appleseed, which meant I just like had like a tiny solo where the teaching artist would sing a little line and I would like echo it back and you know, dressed as like a, an Appleseed and I, I assume had Appleseed hands, which look like this. Uh, <laughs> and it was my favorite, like it was my absolute favorite time every year. I just, I was like, I want to be an actor when I grow up. And I didn't even know what that meant because <laughs> it was not a job in my tiny town in Montana. There was no, you know. Yeah. Um, so I just, I kind of kept doing that. And I did, um, I was in choir and did musicals in high school. We didn't have a theater program that I, like I wasn't a part, I didn't do theater necessarily in high school. Um, and then I ended up, I was like, I want to study it in college because obviously it's a job. Um, and so I didn't know, nobody had studied, gone to study theater from my tiny town. And so it was really a shot in the dark. And someone, I asked Jeeves, um, yeah, I said, what are the best drama schools in the U.S.? And I think it was a grad school like list that came up in retrospect and it was like, you know, Yale and NYU. And someone was like, New York would be a great place to study theater. And I was like, yeah, it would. Like, I mean, I just, people just told me if people had been like, you know, uh, the middle of Iowa would be great to study. I'd been like, okay. And I, I don't know, it was like the scarecrow, like pointing. And if someone mm -hmm. had pointed, I feel like I would have kind of just followed whatever. Uh, but I ended up going to NYU. Um, and it was the wow. biggest, it was a very huge shock to the system from tiny 400 person town to Manhattan. <laughs> um, and I can't I, imagine why. No, no. You don't I have rats that carry pizza in Montana? No, no, uh, not, not since, not, uh, not lately. I don't oh, think okay. we have pack rats. My mom had some pack rats, but, and you know, oh. bears and things, but. They but do not, like pizza. But not like giant rodents and insects. That was yeah. a big adjustment, the cockroaches. Um, yeah. And I think it's interesting because throughout my career as an actor, I 
kind of will get off course and I'll just, it gets overwhelming. I don't know mm. if you can relate, but it gets overwhelming at times where you're just like, yeah. why? Yeah. Why am I doing this? Um, um, yeah. There are moments. And I think so often what I've found is it in those moments, I go back to like, I love collaborating. Mm. The thing that I love is collaborating. And that's what like grounds me in it when it becomes about me performing and me needing to be a star or me needing to make sure that my the career is progressing in the way that it should be progressing mm -hmm. it's is when it becomes not fun at all yeah um and so i just i find i keep coming back to collaborating which is what i did you know when theater fell apart sure enough i found 12 other people to collaborate with and um yeah, and it, I've just found that that keeps kind of grounding me. So I went to NYU, got done, and was like, I have no idea what I'm doing in New York. Left immediately mm. after graduating. I was like, I am absolutely too green to live here. I will wait tables 60 hours a week and hate it and not do mm. theater because there are so many other people just like me that are probably better. <laughs> um, and then ended up uh, touring with Missoula Children's Theater for a year. Oh, which, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was so great to kind of get to go back to where I learned what I learned, mm -hmm. especially coming out of college and just, again, being like, why am I doing this? What am I doing? And I got to, it just was, it was really magical. Like, it's a lovely company. Um, I love how they, so much of what they teach is just about collaboration. And it's mm -hmm. not about like making the star of tomorrow. It's about working as a team in a way that's very different from the way kids learn to work on a team on like, a, in, a, in like basketball and in football. Like if one of the people on the basketball team doesn't show up, you can still play the game. Mm -hmm. If the lead person in your play does not show up, you can't, it's very hard to do the play. True. Um, and just so how you support your ensemble. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it was just a lovely, and it was it was a very difficult year. It was the very it was the first time I had really taught theater ever, and so learning how to how to work with with kindergartners, which I had never you know I'd never worked with little kids, and how to then work differently with seniors in high school, and you're doing that all at once. Like you're talking mm -hmm. to a, a five year old and trying to get them to put on their costume and that they're fine and leave their costume on. And then you're talking to a, you know, a senior in high school and you're like, and this is your motivation, you know, and it's, and you're just juggling all of this stuff. But I had a great tour partner and um, it was just, it was kind of going back to the heart of what I, what I loved about theater growing up mm -hmm. in a very different way. Uh, and then I ended up in Denver and got to be in a smaller community for like eight years and kind of learn more about the business of theater, which always felt kind of dirty grow, you know, in, in college, they're like, you have to network. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. That yeah. sounds terrible. And then I learned that it's, it's, it's actually just find people that you like and figure out how to work with them. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's networking. Find mm -hmm. people you like, go see their stuff and figure out how to work with them. And and Denver is such a lovely group. You know, you guys are great. It's a lovely group of people out there. That's so right. big ups to Denver. <laughs> yeah. It was just a nurturing place to start to learn what the, 
what it looks like to be a working actor and what it looks like to make that your business and what it looks like to juggle all of the other jobs alongside that. But it's such a supportive community that I felt like I got to kind of pick myself back up and build myself up to then be able to come back to New York and be like, oh yeah, it's the same. Coming back to New York, it's, it's bigger, but it's mm -hmm. also the same. And you don't lose any of the connections that you've made. You just then continue like finding people that you like and figuring out how to work with them. And it's been, it's been great. It's, you know, hard wherever you are as an actor, but I've loved, I, yeah, just when I let go of the idea that I'm supposed to be doing something and I just kind of embrace what it is that comes along. Cause out here you can, you know, you're, you're sitting in the room with Adam Rapp one day and you're like, Oh my God, this, how I've read, I don't even, Oh, and I'm cool. I'm totally fine. Um, but it's just fun to kind of see like the people that are doing, that are doing the thing, just be in the room with people that are doing the thing. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been a lovely kind of full circle. And then, you know, and then coronavirus, but, but then it's, but then it's been funny. Cause I'm like, and now I'm actually using absolutely all the tools I have. Whereas before I felt like it was so much about figuring out as an actor, like making sure I was getting my reel together and making sure I'm being seen at auditions and making sure I'm being seen by these certain people and, and kind of running out of steam to a certain extent and running out of, of inspiration in a way. And, and now I'm like, and now literally use every single muscle that you've ever had in your life to <laughs> build something. So, yeah. So it's been, it's just been interesting to be in a totally different level of creativity that I've never experienced before. Um, I did some research before we got you on here. Uh, what do you say to the allegations that you were rude to the first kindergartner to play the first lead apple seed when you became a teacher? Um, I mean, I, I would say that's a lie. That's a bold-faced lie. Um, and well, I would I mean, tell... Little Susie seemed pretty, pretty convincing. You know, I feel like if I don't make a kid cry, I'm not doing my job. Oh, okay. On All a daily right. basis. That's, uh, yeah. that's kind of my, my motto. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to her <laughs> no i do joke i do joke about that yeah. and i yeah. uh terrific here it's it is funny um i i got done touring with the children's theater and you're not really you're like they give you the model of how to teach it so you're not necessarily coming up with lesson plans but i got done doing that i moved to denver i got a job i taught in a public school and then through a, a friend kevin walton i ended up getting a job at the rick center at du um in the like very, very young section of the school. And so my boss knew that I did theater and she was like, oh, great, you've taught theater, uh, teach theater to the preschoolers. And I was like, the three-year-olds? I was like, what does that even mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't even, uh, I have no idea. And, and it was some of the best uh, creative, on your feet thinking that I've had to do where I'm like, what do kids, what do three-year-olds like about theater, you know? Yeah. And what, how do I, and it was, it was actually great where it's just like, oh, they just love everyone telling the story with their whole body. Mm -hmm. Like they just are very active. Like if you can, again, hook them in, they are like on board. And it's like, great guys, we're going to pretend to be a tree right now. And they're like, 
committed. So if you can get them on your, on your side. Um, and I've worked with little, little kids actually, because of that, I've worked with little, little kids a ton in my life and they're Mm. hilarious. I should have hit you up before I started teaching the first time at the JCC had me with the pre pre kindergartners. So not necessarily preschoolers, like older than three, but Oh my God, stop crying, Brian. I will let you be the dragon. Just you, I've got to let Kevin do it first. He asked first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't think I handled it all that well. It was just like, all right, we're doing this. We're going to make costumes and we're going to make the set based off what we read in this book. And by read in this book, I mean when I read to you and you were pulling um, boogers out of your mouth. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Magic Rocks. Have you played Magic Rocks? Oh my God, there's a game about boogers. Matt, no, no, no. It's just the oh. best game for four-year-olds. That would be hilarious. You could turn into a booger in Magic Rocks. You just make them small. You say, okay, Magic Rocks, be a Magic Rock. And they just curl up in a ball on the floor. And you say, Magic Rocks, turn into a dragon or lamp or booger or whatever. And then they pretend to be it. And then you say, back to being Magic Rocks. So it's, it's a way of getting kids to creatively play without killing themselves or, or each other. Yeah. Or Yes. And the rocks don't make noise. So yeah. it's, it's actually the best and kids will play it for minutes at a time, sometimes like tens of minutes at a time. I tried to have somebody be a rock and um, he figured out very quickly. It was just a way to get him to be quiet. Oh yeah. And, That's, you got to uh, mix it up. Yeah. He promptly w- climbed into one of the cabinets in my small non-studio and cried in the cabinet. So see, you have a similar teaching style as me. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't made a kid cry, you have not done your job for that day. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, if you're not bringing your A game to be the lead apple seed, you can get the fuck out of my theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's... that's. And by the way, my, my opinion on that does not speak for anyone over at uh, ATL. It's just me. True. This is true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you talk about collaborating. You, it, is, what are the... Are there key differences? I would assume there are as a, as a teacher and an actor, but what are the differences between collaborating with a group of kids, specifically through ATL, telling the stories that you do on a weekly basis, and then working with your team to create the bones of the story? Like, are there similarities or is it starkly different? I think, I don't think it's that different. And I think, I, I feel like we keep reminding ourselves So in the beginning, it felt like we had to create episodes where we were constantly busy and we were constantly going to these people and we were learning these things and then we got to the end. And so we were originally visiting three characters in the Great Great Forest in 45 minutes and an introduction and kind of an ending. And it ended up being, it was a great show and super fun for the kids. But what we were learning is that it doesn't leave enough space for the kids to contribute as much and so we're we're learning more and more that it's we actually just visit usually two characters and that leaves this space for us to ask questions of the kids and for them to kind of solve problems there was one we had an episode a couple weeks ago and um uh terry the turtle was played by the one and only kevin lowry and terry the turtle we were as writers we were kind of reimagining the script and one of us wrote like Oh, Terry the Turtle's such a dud. And 
<laughs> like <laughs> the puppet that week was just like, Terry the turtle, such a dud. I don't want to see him, blah. And so then we went to see Terry the turtle and Terry had, and Kevin had created this kind of bit. Uh, he had, he'd received this letter that said P-U and then it had a sock, smelly sock picture and the turtle on the back. And it was that Terry the turtle was being made fun of because he had smelly socks. Mm. Um, and the kids actually, so, and then Terry the turtle teaches them how to juggle, which is how you get rid of the smell on your socks, as you know. Oh. Yeah, yeah, air, air them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And we, the kids actually tied it together and they were like, wait a minute, Jeff the monkey wrote that note, didn't he? to Terry the turtle, because he had called him a dud at the beginning. We hadn't, like, we had not even, we had not put that together at all. It was kind of two things made separately, and the kids put it together, and they really wanted it to be resolved, and, like, the Jeff the monkey ended up, like, apologizing to Terry the turtle in the end of the episode without us even, <laughs> but they, like, and, and it was just, like, it was awesome, and we were like, yeah, of course, and it was kind of our first like problem in the great great forest because we've kind of been steering away from having because there's just so much going on in the world right now we're mm -hmm. trying to kind of shelter our like make it a safe fun space and but we're finding more and more that the kids do want some conflict like they really enjoy yeah. it. they made the, they literally made conflict in the great great forest and they wanted it solved and you know and then they kind of the actors in between the shows talked about it and reworked the script a bit for the second show. And the kids were just like, Jeff the monkey. Like they were just upset with the monkey. Like they were sent me, I like really had to apologize. And so I think, I just don't, I think it's, I think it's not that different, but learning yeah. so much is learning how to really take what it is that the other person is offering and listen to that and, figure out how to work together. And mm. I think we're learning, we're learning what that looks like on Zoom because in video form, you are very different than you are in person. You know, it's oh, yeah. similar to like in a text and in an email, we're not this, it, you can be read wrong over Zoom just because you have a louder voice or because you, you know, mm -hmm. um, but it's, but so much of it is just learning how to listen and build together is what we're, I think, finding. Number one, that's, it's how we best work collaboratively. And number two, it's just so satisfying when the pieces come together. And you may not know where exactly you're building to, but, but it's, yeah, I just, I love it. And that's, I think what I love about number one, collaboration and getting, and the interactivity with the kids, like actually getting to have their voice be part of the story and actually inform us what our story is about. Cause we mm -hmm. have an idea at the beginning, but they, depending on what they hear and what they're coming in with, they see something different, which is always fun to learn from. Yeah. It's intriguing that they were the ones that uh, wanted to push for, uh, you said that they, they brought the conflict to the, the, to the forest in, in an environment where you are, would you say you're, like, I was going to ask, and then I, I heard this section of you talking about this creation process. I was like, have you felt the push to incorporate more of the outside world into it? Or no, I think, I mean, we've, we're learning, I think, that it's fun to have, like, to, 
to build and we've had conflict before and problems to solve mm -hmm. but we haven't really had like an anti like a, a villain of sorts in yeah. any of our or we've kind of steered away from that but now we're learning like we're just learning how to introduce that in a way that's fun and it allows the kids to oh uh, to solve a problem in a way that we haven't really explored yet mm -hmm. but but we've talked a lot about trying to make the great great forest which is where all the characters live separate from the real world so so they're not so we in our in some of our original episodes we were going to visit our friends who were lonely um and that was just kind of drawing off of that everyone's kind of alone right now mm -hmm. and how do we cheer people up how do we cheer ourselves up but and not wanting to but not wanting to call on anything that's going on necessarily in the world mm -hmm. um just but trying to channel the things that we're encountering in the world and the things that we believe that they're encountering in the world into an imaginary like using the forest as um a metaphor for different things. So using the fog, using visiting friends that are lonely, using various different things to give them tools to kind of wrestle with what it is that we, that, cause we don't, you know, you also don't know what each kid has talked to their parents about and you don't want to assume anything and assume that they know anything or assume that they don't know, you know, so so we've just tried as much as we can to take what it is that we are going through as artists and as people in the world and channel that into the creative world of the great, great forest and try to give them tools, fun tools to help them process and, and just escape, you know, for 45 mm -hmm. minutes to an hour, which ends up being great for us as well, where it's just, you kind of get to forget about it instead of wanting to directly engage with it which i feel yeah. like at least for all of us it seems like we're barraged with it and so finding places to actually just take a break has mm. been um wonderful i mm. would say i would i would it's for me it, i've the words are escaping me when i i did a uh, i directed a piece for the theatrical response team during a lot of the protesting like leading uh, here in Colorado here in Denver and uh, the riots that were happening after not the riots the the provocation um, from one side to another that was then misinterpreted in my opinion as just like ignorant kids looting um, it was not that um, and I, I stand by that but during that time like trying to focus on the piece itself was extremely difficult and um like i i had i had a little breakdown of like self because i couldn't i couldn't justify ignoring it and i couldn't and i couldn't not give my all to this piece right like i had to stay in it because that was the focus and they, i had a group of actors counting on me people that i respect and um were honored that they said yes to being here with me for the project and so once we got through that and you know there were the hard questions that i myself had to answer that i mean 
how how good of an ally have I been, so on and so forth. I can't imagine the scale here in Denver seems to have downshifted dramatically. Right? It feels like New York has been hit from Jump Street, both in the number of cases and just the population itself that has dealt with, I mean, stop and frisk started there. So I'm sure there was a whole lot of tension, non unresolved tension there. I mean, did you feel the impetus to dive into something that was, for lack of a better word, like safe? Is that something that you sought? Or is it was just like, no, we're creating this because of the situation. This is the natural progression. It's been so hard. I mean, it's been so hard to wrestle with all of the things that have been going on in the world and continue to create amidst it, I think. I mean, I just, um, I, it's been, it has been unreal. I mean, just the starting with, um, the, the lockdown and things like that. I'm right around the block from a hospital. Mm. And so the sound of ambulances for the first, I would say month and a half to two months was like kind of constant relatively. And every time I would hear an ambulance, I would start crying. Cause I was just like, my roommate had walked past and there were two free, there was one freezer truck behind it. And then the next week there were two because of all of the bodies. And I just like, I, um, the loss of life. I work as an elder lawyer as one of my jobs. And we, we lost, um, I think it was nine clients in the course of three weeks, um, to coronavirus. And so mm -hmm. it just like it, and the stories and the, I mean, it just was, it was unreal and the numbers in New York and the news. And so, uh, that was unreal and continuing to create and find joy and, and finding genuine joy in the creation process, but also being so incredibly, incredibly frustrated on the days that I just couldn't, or I just was like, I can't keep mm -hmm. pushing past. I can't. And allowing that and, and really allowing it with all of the, thankfully, because we have such a big group of people, everybody has experienced loss throughout all of this. And so there has been space where it's like, I literally, I can't do the show this week. I just lost someone and someone else will swing in. And so there's, we've built that, which has been great. And then um, the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, just, it has been, and I haven't seen too much of the protesting and I just, as much as I would, if in a normal world, I would be out protesting. And I just think for whatever reason, I got sick the first week of the lockdown. I got very, very, very sick and saw so many people pass away that I just think for whatever reason, I have just needed to stay inside and yeah. do and, and create work. And we talked about as a company, we were like, when all of the theater, everybody was like, we're not doing a show. We're not continuing with this. The um, drama desk awards were postponed and everyone kind of postponed stuff. And we talked about it as a company. We were like, do we stop? Do we not do the show this week because of what is happening to honor what is happening? 
and we thought we talked about it and we you know we came up with um just a company statement and we were like we want to continue because it's not necessarily directly affecting the kids Mm -hmm. and they won't know why there's not a show this week necessarily and so we as a company continued despite like inner much inner emotional turmoil we continued to do the show that week and it was and it was a it it was a beautiful show honoring women in space travel and the first um black astronaut and like it was it ended up being a great show to happen that week but but so crazy amidst everything that's happening um Mm -hmm. and just coming to terms with um coming to terms with what my white privilege is and that I for sure have it and that I for sure have to continue to figure out how I wrestle with that and how I raise up friends who did not grow up with that and how I talk to people about all of it um, has been I mean, it just, it, it really, it's, it's interesting. I grew up, so my, the small town that I grew up in, in Montana is on um, a Native American reservation. So I grew up on the Blackfoot reservation in Montana Mm -hmm. and grew up as um, one of few white students in high school. Um, My mom sent me a picture today. I was on the cross country team and I was the only white girl. Absolutely. You know, and, and we would be out running and everyone looked at me like I was crazy when I put sunscreen on because nobody else would, had to put sunscreen on. I mean, there were just, there were so many, like, it was just, you know, and I would I'd play basketball and like, we would be running and stuff like that. And everyone else would look like normal humans. And I would be like bright red and dripping in sweat. And everyone was just like, oh my God, like what, what is happening over there? Yeah. Um, and so it's... And so it's interesting to come at it from that because I didn't, I didn't grow up thinking that was strange. Like I didn't grow up being like, I, you know, I live on an Indian reservation and I'm a white person. Like we were just all kids. And so it wasn't, yeah. it, I didn't see other. And I would say until high school when I heard other schools talking about my school mm. and talking about, um, just the things that people say and the things that people think that they can say around you because you're a white person and they don't realize that you are from that school and from that place. And, and so I think, um, I think I always thought I was, and I, and I do, I do believe I see the person, but I also just in understanding, um, that there is a large group of people who have been looked at as other by so many people for so long. And it's my job to help make it equal. And in order to do that, we have to raise up the people who have been left so far behind for so, or have been pushed to the side for so long. Mm -hmm. And so I think I just have been, I think I've been too silent about it because I tend to like, I tend to avoid conflict. Uh, so, <laughs> as a, um, and so just learning um, all, uh, a lot of the different organizations that I'm a part of have started groups 
where you get to talk about it. And I was, I was saying in our meeting today that it's like learning a foreign language and learning how to talk about it in a safe space. So similar to like immersing yourself in the classroom setting where you can like try things out and people are like, no, you just said that really, really wrong. Mm -hmm. Try again, try this and learning how to talk about it in a safe space so that you can then talk about it in the world um, and holding each other accountable, I think is important. Absolutely. No. Um, thank you for saying the uh, avoiding conflict. It's one of the things that I've, I've walking that line has been something I got really good at as a young man, a young boy. Um, the vast majority of my colleagues and peers when I was younger saw me as a white person, which I am 50% Irish. And so predominantly Irish tend to be um, white, you know, pigment. Uh, but then I'm also 50% Navajo. And there's, to have people, they get really comfortable with you when they anticipate you being a specific um, race. And when they see you as white, it's absolutely true. They will say things that they might not say if they knew you were, you know, 100% or whatever, or that that was your environment. But the key point, without making this about me and my life, is your experience living on a near and on a reservation with, with, was it Blackfeet, Blackfooted? Mm -hmm. On the black, the yeah, black the black feet. Yeah. They, you see clearly that as just being a child that love and hate, like love comes naturally, hate is learned, right? And I think one of the things that I hear you and your theater company creating is without directly focusing on, say, a given topic of the day, teaching little, I don't know if they're coping mechanisms or just like gently reminding them of this, I, I think positive things, calling out, was it uh, Jeffrey the monkey? Mm -hmm. Jeff the calling monkey. Out, yeah. yeah, calling out Jeff the monkey and you know, lifting the fog over this, this forest, being there for the friends that uh, are lonely. Like those are great things to be teaching. And whether the focus is to have a definitive pound the table message you are still teaching something positive and that is really cool and because it, it, it sounds like you're doing something maybe not necessarily as the focus but it's not heavy-handed either and i applaud you for that i mean that's that's a great step to be taking Thank and i'm glad that you are surrounded like i know like Kevin is a uh, good friend of mine and I know how he thinks about specific things politically and I'm glad he's involved. It sounds like you've got a diverse group. If you've got someone that is speaking Spanish, again, telling stories like that. I mean, that, that's, that stuff is crucial. It really opens up the door. I mean, for the, for the kids in my neighborhood where I teach, where my school is located, that's like, that's huge when you can relate to them and on any level. And it's great that you're doing that. Yeah, we're working. It's a work in progress. I mean, just continuing to make sure that, yeah, that we are honoring people of, honoring and welcoming people of all shapes, sizes, um, backgrounds. And yeah, and even just, and making our, feet. what? Even if they've got smelly feet. Even if they've got smelly feet, you know, really. Um, but yeah, and learning and learning how to 
how to implement the tools that we're learning as adults mm -hmm. into our teaching. And again, not being heavy handed about it, but just being like, everyone's welcome here. And I've found it's, it's interesting to learn that through the puppets, you actually can really get the kids to um, more easily solve a conflict or, or for some reason the puppets, I mean, I just love puppets, but it allows something in the kids. So we had, a, we had an episode a month or two ago and it was about everyone collaborating and making this soup. And towards the end of the episode, we'd gotten, you know, these carrots and we'd gotten these other things. And Twig was like, I, I really, I, you know, I have these, these mushrooms, but, but my friends make fun of me when they see that I have them because they're not nice. They're not like, you know, they're not pretty and they're, and they're kind of dirty and they're, you know, they don't look so good. And, and they like, they'll make fun of me and say that I, I look like them, like dirty and smelly and brown. And, um, and then the kids and then the forester is like, kids, what do you think Twig should do? Like, do you think he should offer these or, you know, what, what should he do with this information from the, you know, from his, from the kids around him and just allowing the kids to kind of think through it and be like, put themselves in those shoes because who hasn't been made fun of and who hasn't been told that they're the thing that they have is not as cool as the friend who has the really new fun thing. Yeah. Um, and so just, just learning how to gently encourage them to navigate hard conversations um, has been it's, I don't know, it's, it's been really interesting just to watch myself kind of learn how to, how to best use this form to continue to keep them thinking and to continue to be positive and to continue to just welcome people that don't necessarily look like them or don't necessarily, and not just me, like us as a company, like that has been mm -hmm. Thankfully, I've surrounded myself with artists who really do, will call, will call us out and be like, guys, we're not doing what we said we would do. Mm. Like, we're not being diverse. We're not, our company is, a, there, there are a lot of white people in this room. Like, we need mm -hmm. to, we need to work on that. We need to, you know, and we're, we're not doing what we said we were, out, we set out to do. And so, I, I just think that is also important in continuing to, evolve as an artist and as a teacher and as a person is surrounding yourself with people who are, who will call you on your shit and not in a bad Absolutely. way, but will just yeah. be like, you know, that was not great. That was not yeah. great. Let's mm -hmm. do better next time. Definitely. Well, I think that's one of the things too, is like learning, learning that constructive feedback is a good thing. Mm hmm. And we've gotten so used at creating our own, our own idea for what our world is going to be that when we hear contrary opinions about our choices or whatever, that's all we hear, that it's contrary. It doesn't fit my narrative. I'm out. It, it doesn't serve me. Fuck it. When there are people out there who are not trying to be a hater, to use, a, use the parlance of our time, mm -hmm. they're, they're there trying to like, hey, I fucking love you, man. But that was a little problematic. Let's find a better way to get through this. Or is that really what you believe? Why do you believe that? Mm -hmm. Having the hard conversations is something that we all need to be doing. And um, 
any way we can do that is a good thing. And asking questions. I feel like, I mean, what you just said, where it's like, I don't agree with you. I'm going to ask you a question mm -hmm. as opposed to, I don't agree with you. Goodbye. Cause like yeah. we, we've seen where that leads us mm -hmm. and we, we've seen how frustrating it is when people just totally ignore the, <laughs> anything yeah. what's going on. Um, and so instead asking the question and being like, where did that, where does that come from? Like, where did you learn that that is, where did you learn that? And where are you, you know, why, why like, but being centered enough in yourself to be able to sit there and ask the question with someone that makes with ask the question that makes you uncomfortable instead of getting mad and mm -hmm. telling them, you know, to, yeah. they can go, you know, just no yeah. and goodbye. Um, if you're not asking the questions, you're just posting tweets at 3 a.m. very angrily with all caps. I don't, who are you, who, who must you be talking about? Oh, nobody, <laughs> important. nobody important at all. That's um, true. Oh, that's, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. Um, hopefully, don't have to oh. deal with that guy. That would be, that would be. too much longer. Yeah. Be great. Um, Mackenzie, um, before we wrap this up, one of the things I forgot to mention to you, so I will remind you now, Rubik's Cube is our safe word. Uh -huh. um, I oh. have a series of rapid fire questions oh. um, that I would love to like just kind of throw at you. And if you get to something, you're like, oh, I don't want to answer that. Just Rubik's Cube me and we'll move on. Okay. All right, then. Um, first question for you is, uh, where do you get your news? The New York Times digital app, which is not my favorite. I like the paper but mm -hmm. the New York Times digital app and the BBC. Fantastic. Who was your first celebrity crush? Ooh, um, I think it was Joey McIntyre from New Kids on the Block. Nice. Mm -hmm. nice. Mm -hmm. yeah, you're mm -hmm. not alone. No, I'm sure. He was dreamy. Yeah. He was dreamy. Also your first crush? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, him and all of Boys to Men, but. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, shout out to Sean Stockman who released a new song. I follow him on Instagram because he's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. He's the best. Um, dogs or cats? Cats. Cats. Chunky or creamy peanut butter? Ooh. Chunky. And unless you're allergic, almond. No, chunky. I mean, I do do almond butter most of the time now because they say mm -hmm. something about peanuts. But anyway, but chunky, chunky peanut butter. Chunky peanut butter. Good call. Good call. Mm -hmm. Um, what is your favorite pizza topping? Does it have to just be one? No. Give me your, like, it's, you're ordering a pizza. What are you putting on it? It's a hot Hawaiian. I don't know when this started being the thing that I do, but always now. Um, unless I'm at a really, really good pizza place, and then I get whatever is the best pizza there. But, you know, it's, um, it's Canadian bacon and pineapple and jalapenos. And I, don't, I love I can't get away from it. <laughs> I love that a key ingredient on Hawaiian pizzas is Canadian bacon. Yeah, pretty much. Or, or pepperoni, I think some people do. But yeah, no, it's Canadian. Yeah, Hawaiian pizza, Canadian bacon. But also Hawaiian, you know, like the whole spam thing in Hawaii. They eat spam. They love spam for whatever reason. And spam is like a main part of like 
there's like ho like sushi that they make in Hawaii with spam in it. And like people have like spam cans of spam in their desk for, and I don't know why, and maybe it's the salt content and it's hot there or something, but like spam is a big, I don't, I can't, I can't, no. I've never, but I can't. Yeah. Uh, I've never, but I can't either. I was up in a, at a, convenience smart um a few miles outside of fort collins uh for a camping trip this weekend and we stopped inside the convenience mart and there was a can of ham that had been there since the nixon administration on sale for a buck fifty so i don't want it oh of course not no I mean, <laughs> no it was there and i was like oh wow i bet that's been here for a while and lo and behold um yeah that thing saw watergate and <laughs> You looked at the expiration date? I'm clearly doing this for effect. Okay, okay. I was yeah. like, that's, I mean, you know. No, I feel like spam lives with the um, Vienna sausages that come oh, in like a jar. Yeah. And you look at them and you're like, I don't know. I don't know that the world would get that bad for me to need to eat that. Yeah, I, but, that's, that's kind of what, I mean, let us... Let us hope that we don't get into a future that is reminiscent of The Last of Us, part one and or two, because uh, that's bleak, bleak yeah. AF. Mm -hmm. What was your first car? A Ford, a green Ford Escort. And I got it when I was 15 and a half, because in Montana, you can get your license when you, or no, I think it was 15. You can get your license when you're 15. Oh, damn. It was an, and it was a stick shift. And I had never driven a stick shift before. And my dad was like, here, drive it home from an hour and a half away. And I was like, uh, he kind of gave me like a rundown and I was like, huh, and I freaked out and I was like, dad, no, like, no. So I drove his car home and he drove mine, but it was embarrassing to have to drive to high school in a stick shift while still learning how to drive and, you know, stalling in the middle. It was uh, character building, I would say. Character building. Yeah. Um, for, for the kids that are listening at home, if you are given a stick shift to learn on, go to the Coorsfield parking lot. That's where I learned. Oh, yeah. Late no. at night, so no one can point and laugh at you, but. There's not many people in Montana though, so it's basically like the Coors parking lot. Yeah, very true, very true. <laughs> and now, uh, the, the last question that I ask all my guests. Mackenzie, what is the ghost light you would leave on for that next generation that follows? when you're lost and don't know why it is you're doing what you're doing go back to why you started go back to what the heart of it is um and allow yourself to go do other stuff too where it's like well i just i can't i i don't want to do this anymore right now but it's it's what i'm driven to do and i feel like i've done it forever you can learn so much by going and learning something else and it will feed right back in. I feel like as long as you keep your, um, as long as you allow your creative fire to keep burning in whatever way, whatever way seems inspiring. I like, it's just funny. I've done, you know, I've done trapeze stuff and I've done burlesque and I've done puppeting and I've done uh, just so many different things that don't necessarily tie into theater but it's amazing how they do in some strange way and it all ends up playing into what your creative tool bag is mm -hmm. so just remembering why 
like what it is that you love about what it is that you do and allow yourself to get lost along the way, I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would uh, liken that to theater being the study of self. I know there's a real study of self, but I mean, I, I, one of the things that I've been kind of echoing in my brain over and over again since I watched um, Q, the Quincy Jones documentary on Netflix, go check it out, Rashida Jones directed it. Great. He says an artist is only as good or as bad as they are. Mm. So, I mean, you either are really, you know, dedicated and working at you and your art, or I mean, you're you're, at a, you're on a different level, and it's not that that's basically what I I hear you saying, or at least if mm -hmm. I'm going to diverge a little bit off of what you're saying, I think that's that's great. Go back to where you start, where where the love started. I mean, I I take a walk around uh, the campus at Metro at least once a year. Yeah, myself for that. So. Mackenzie, thank you so much for being our guest today. On this is so wonderful to make a like digital trip back to Colorado. Absolutely. Make sure you uh, tell all your friends out there in the NYC. Look us up. I will. Thank you. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 55. The guest is Mackenzie Sherburn. And I uh, just want to go out there and remind you that um, Brianna Taylor and George Floyd will not be forgotten. Please do your best to... Uh, Educate yourself. I know I still have work to do on that. And I bring this up at the end of a podcast about theater because I believe the more you know about yourself and about the world around you and how you process the world around you will greatly impact the work that you are able to put forth. Whether you do it through Zoom or on a stage, I rest assured we will be back on stages again. So sharpen your tools now. So you are ready to go when they turn on the lights again. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Ghost Lights Podcast, episode 55. We'll get it out to you ASAP. Make sure that you visit adventuretheaterlive.com for new shows coming out weekly and booking opportunities. And with that, Dan Ribb, do the damn thing.